progressives say the darndest things about killing tiny humans. For those who have been enjoying the waning days of summer, away from news and social media, basking maskless by a refreshing body of water, or hiking with a face as naked as a newborn babe's in the cool of the wood, here's what set ablaze the perpetually burning neurons of leftists. Texas banned all abortions performed on small humans whose hearts are beating and made anyone who facilitates the illegal killing of humans with beating hearts open to civil litigation. Sounds reasonable to me, but then again, I've never been a fan of killing defenseless humans who have committed no crime. Following Texas's prohibition of human slaughter after the first six weeks of life, the left lost what's left of their minds. With their feticidal minds unhinged at the prospect of mothers not being free to hire hitmen who identify as physicians to off their offspring, leftists proved again why they're not known for skill in the use of evidence, sound analogical thinking, respect for science, respect for human rights, coherence, consistency, or morality. So let's take a cursory look at the darndest things cultural regressives are muttering, sputtering, and tweeting. Joe Biden, the self-identifying Catholic who claims his avocation is theology, said, quote, I respect people who think that, who don't support Roe v. Wade. I respect their views. I respect those who believe life begins at the moment of conception and all. I respect that. Don't agree, but I respect that, end quote. But wait, in 2015, Biden said, I'm prepared to accept that at the moment of conception, there's human life and being. But I'm not prepared to say that to other God-fearing, non-God-fearing people that have a different view, end quote. So which is it? Does he believe that at the moment of conception, a new human life comes into existence, or does he not? What new science convinced him between age 72 and 78 that the union of human egg and sperm no longer marks the beginning of the life of a new human being? As an aside, why can't leftists who claim to believe that women can be born in men's bodies and that men can menstruate and give birth be like Biden and respect the views of God-fearing and non-God-fearing people who disagree? Disgraceful CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, brother of disgraced former governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, tried to suggest that six-week-old human fetuses don't have heartbeats because they don't have hearts. The Mayo Clinic dares to dissent, quote, Growth is rapid this week, the sixth week. Just four weeks after conception, the neural tube along your baby's back is closing, the baby's brain and spinal cord will develop the neural tube. The heart and other organs are also starting to form, and the heart begins to beat, end quote. Please note, the Mayo Clinic refers to the baby as a baby. CNN's Joy Reid fretted that the Texas law signals the Handmaid's Tale is coming to America. You know, The Handmaid's Tale, the story of fertile breeding women being forced to have sex with ruling elite men while their wives watch. Reed's guest, failed presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren, nodding in agreement, fretted about the law's impact on the most vulnerable among us. And I quote her, This law is about bearing down on the most vulnerable among us. 
It's bearing down on the woman or the trans person or the non-binary who's working three jobs, end quote. Warren views pregnant trans persons who are working three jobs as more vulnerable than the babies whom they seek to kill. Bette Midler tweeted, quote, I suggest that all women refuse to have sex with men until they are guaranteed the right to choose by Congress, end quote. Midler forgot to specify the direct object of the transitive verb choose. To be clear, she means the right to choose to have incipient human life killed. I completely agree with Midler that if a woman plans to chemically starve her baby, I mean fetus, or have her fetus dismembered as her backup contraception plan, it's best she not have sex. Millionaire leftist co-founders of the ride-sharing company Lyft, Logan Green and John Zimmer, have gone all out in support of killing tiny humans, and I quote, Lyft is donating $1 million to Planned Parenthood to help ensure that transportation is never a barrier to health care access, end quote. Well, killing humans is not health care, no matter how many times leftists use this news speakian euphemism. Anyone who cares about the health of womb dwellers ought not use Lyft. And anyone who believes that practices that have a disparate impact on persons of color are racist practices should know that black babies are killed in utero at much higher rates than our white babies. I quote from an article titled Perceiving and Addressing the Pervasive Racial Disparity in Abortion. Black women have been experiencing induced abortions at a rate nearly four times that of white women for at least three decades and likely much longer. The impact in years of potential life lost, given abortion's high incidence and racially skewed distribution, indicates that it is the most demographically consequential occurrence for the minority population. The science community has refused to engage on the subject, and the popular media has essentially ignored it. In the current unfolding environment, there may be no better metric for the value of black lives. End quote. The millions of dollars donated by racists Green and Zimmer are going to facilitate the racist practices of Planned Parenthood. The ever-snippy White House spokesperson Jen Psaki scolded a reporter for asking about how Biden reconciles his Catholic faith with his support for human slaughter. What was most interesting in her response was how insufficiently woke it was. Without even asking for the reporter's pronouns, Psaki just assumed the reporter was a man, presumably because he looks like a man and sounds like a man. Saki asserted presumptuously that the reporter has never been pregnant. How does she know? Doesn't Saki know that in the woke playbook, some women have men's bodies and some men have women's bodies and can get pregnant? I guess Saki is an intolerant, hateful, ignorant bigot. CNN legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin claimed that the refusal of the Supreme Court to block the Texas law constitutes, quote, a real blow against the Supreme Court's institutional reputation, end quote. It's strange to hear Tubin, who pleasured himself on a work Zoom call, express concern over reputation. But then again, Tubin has a vested interest in keeping abortion legal. He pressured a former paramour with whom he had had an extramarital affair to abort 
their now 12-year-old son. Who knows when he'll have need of legalized abortion again? Tubin also described Roe v. Wade as the, quote, second most famous opinion of the last 100 years, end quote. He should have said most infamous opinion of the last 150 years. Here's what liberal legal scholars and pundits have said about the infamous Roe v. Wade opinion. Quote, one of the most curious things about Roe is that behind its own verbal smokescreen, the substantive judgment on which it rests is nowhere to be found. That was from Lawrence Tribe, Harvard Law School professor. As a matter of constitutional interpretation and judicial method, Roe borders on the indefensible. That was Edward Lazarus, former clerk to SCOTUS Justice Harry Blackman. Blackman's U.S. Supreme Court papers vindicate every indictment of Roe, invention, overreach, arbitrariness, textual indifference. William Salatin, Slate Magazine writer. Roe is not constitutional law and gives almost no sense of an obligation to try to be. John Hart Eli, former law professor at Yale, Harvard, and Stanford universities. The very basis of the Roe v. Wade decision, the one that grounds abortion rights in the Constitution, strikes many people now as faintly ridiculous. Whatever abortion may be, it cannot simply be a matter of privacy. Roe is a Supreme Court decision whose reasoning has not held up. Richard Cohen, Washington Post columnist. The finest constitutional minds in the country still have not been able to produce a constitutional justification for striking down restrictions on early-term abortions that is substantially more convincing than Justice Harry Blackmun's famously artless opinion itself, Jeffrey Rosen, George Washington University law professor. Although I am pro-choice, I was taught in law school, and still believe, that Roe v. Wade is a muddle of bad reasoning and an authentic example of judicial overreaching. Michael Kinsley, attorney and political journalist. As a constitutional argument, Roe is barely coherent. The court pulled its fundamental right to choose more or less from the constitutional ether. Kermit Roosevelt, University of Pennsylvania Law School professor. And, quote, Neither historian nor layman nor lawyer will be persuaded that all the prescriptions of Justice Blackman are part of the Constitution. That from Archibald Cox, JFK's Solicitor General and former Harvard Law School professor. One law professor who has no need of constitutional grounding for abortion is University of California, Irvine, law professor and cheerleader for legalized human slaughter, Michelle Goodwin. Goodwin is a longtime and influential advocate of the legal right to kill the preborn. She and co-author Erwin Chemerinsky set forth their goals in a 2017 paper titled Abortion, a Woman's Private Choice, and I quote from it, We begin by justifying the protection of rights not found in the text of the Constitution. Foremost among these rights is control over one's body and over one's reproduction. In part three, we discuss what it would mean for abortion to be regarded as a private choice. In this part, we identify three implications. A, restoring strict scrutiny to examining laws regulating abortions, which would mean that the government must be neutral between childbirth and abortion. B, preventing the government from denying funding for abortions when it pays for childbirth. 
and C, invalidating the countless types of restrictions on abortion, end quote. Goodwin rightly condemns the, quote, notorious eugenics period in the United States, end quote, in which allegedly defective preborn babies were forcibly killed by the government. Goodwin fails, however, to acknowledge the difference between the government mandating that a doctor perform a surgical procedure on the body of a woman without her consent and the government prohibiting a doctor from dismembering or in other ways destroying the body of a human fetus without his or her consent. Goodwin also believes the Texas bill to preserve human life is analogous to the Fugitive Slave Act. She believes that the grotesque law that incentivized citizens to help send humans back into bondage is analogous to a law that incentivizes citizens to help prevent the slaughter of humans. Some might counter that the Texas law is more akin to laws that offer rewards for the capture of killers than it is to the Fugitive Slave Act. Now that leftists have lost control of the Supreme Court, they're stomping their angry feet and demanding the court be jam-packed with leftists, something conservatives have not called for to repair the damage done by seven justices in 1973. Neither the Constitution nor the will of the people matters to progressives. There is no constitutional or moral right to have humans killed because of their dependency status, location, absence of self-consciousness, lack of full development, disabilities, anticipated future, maternal inconvenience, insufficient maternal finances, or crimes of their fathers. A civilized, compassionate, moral, and just society does not find the final solution to poverty, disease, disability, or any other form of human suffering in the killing of others. And in the Constitution, there is no free-floating absolute right to privacy in which humans can do anything they feel like doing to other human beings. Leftist Supreme Court justices invented such a right out of whole, blood-stained cloth.